In a world where one man makes it his mission to get people's minds into that growth state, a state where their minds are literally growing and expanding past a point of previous belief. Michael Ostro in That Growth State. Hey, hey, this is Michael Ostro, and I'm sitting with Sean Patrick Oatney, and he is an incredible sales guy. Every time I talk to him, he's just dropping constant nuggets of information. So I wanted to sit down with him today and get some of that sales information out and kind of share it with you guys as well. Um, Sean, just a second ago, we were chatting about some intense sales information, <laughs> and I like was like, hold on, hold on. I want to talk about that on this uh, podcast. Um, first, what I would love to hear is a little bit of background, which I think you were saying. How did you originally get into sales? Uh, actually, so uh, take you back probably almost 30-some years ago, um, <clears throat> I was uh, slinging pizzas uh, at uh, one of my grandfather's pizza shops and was tired of uh, smelling like pizza. And so a friend of mine worked at the mall and said there's this great opportunity over at the, uh, the Foot Locker. And it was selling shoes and helping people with that. And so I was like, hey, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, won't smell like pizza every night and and get to uh, get to see some cool kicks and you know so that was pretty fun and so I got in there and I didn't you know I knew nothing about sales I just knew that I could talk to people very easily it came natural to me you know just having conversations and the first day I get in there they're like hey we've got this this uh, spiff deal going so basically what a spiff is is you know if you you know sell something you get something for it and so they had a deal where whoever sold the most fleece got $500 at the end of the month. Well, you know, 30 some years ago, $500 is a lot of money. And so I was like, hey, that's gonna you know, pay my rent, it's gonna pay part of my car, this is phenomenal. How do I do it? And there was no one to tell you. So it was just like, all right, I gotta connect the dots. So literally when people were trying their shoes on and they were like, oh, this looks amazing. I'm like, those shoes look awesome. But I tell you what, hold on a second. And I'd run over and I'd grab a piece of fleece. So like a hoodie or a you know, sweatshirt and I'd like, throw it literally like hey put this on check this out and i'm like doesn't that match the shoes that looks amazing and i'm like think about them the cold when you're running and they were like you're right and i like here here's two more and literally every person that walked through there i at least got one piece of fleece to but typically most of them i got two to three and i ended up winning the 500 dollars. so that was my That's first awesome. taste of kind of like hey this is really cool you do this work you still get paid but then there's this commission or spiff that goes along with it and so for my whole sales career I've always um, either been 100% commission or I've been a base plus commission, which is where I'm at now. And that's just because I've been with the company for 18 years and uh, you know you, you earn that over time. But uh, it, it, I love it because I get to control 100% of, of what I do and you know you, you uh, eat what you kill. So, it's so you're, you're saying you started doing sales by just thinking you could make some extra income if you could sell these fleeces and then um, nobody trained you. No. You just said, I want to get this money, and you figured out how. Well, so I'm a voracious reader, and so I've got three boys, and I'm always telling them, you know, leaders are readers, and at a very early age. Um, so I watched my dad work his hands to the bones as a construction worker and working in a, um, a, a backhoe and a crane, and he used his back and his brawn and not his brain. And I was like, I don't, I never want to do that. I want to hurt yeah. later in life. So I was like, I did some research and found that the two people that make the most money in the world are people who own businesses 
and people who sell for people who own businesses. And so I knew I either wanted to be in sales or I wanted to own a business. Now, I was able to do both because I own my own business. Uh, my sales ability got me into that opportunity to do that by earning the income to start a business, but I just read a lot of books. So I went to the library, found out, you know, who are the top salespeople in the world and what do they do? So Tom Hopkins was one guy that I got, was uh, still has the, the, the record of the most uh, home sales uh, in the United States. In one year, he sold 1,500 homes. So do the math. <laughs> what? That's five a day. Jeez. 1,500 homes in a year. It's crazy. Yeah. So, but the guy was like an animal. And so he had all these key lines. So he would say things like, um, never say sell or sold or price or cost. It's initial investment or total investment. And so it's the words that you use when you're with the client that make the biggest difference. So then I started going, well, who else? Well, Zig Ziglar was another guy. Uh, so it had Tom Hopkins, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy. So Brian Tracy yeah. helped me in sales because he's a time management guru. So, you know, and then I came up with uh, organization equals time and time equals money. So the more organized I am, the more time I have, the more time I have, the more money I make. So I literally will work a quarter to half of the time that my peers will work and I'll make three times to four times more money because I'm just more efficient at what I do. And that just comes from, you know, I'm 66,000 hours into what I do for a profession and which is sales. So there's no such thing as a natural born salesperson. It doesn't exist. What exists is someone that has a great personality that's likable that then, then can go learn the skills that are needed to sell. So. And then along the way, I read more books. Like another one that stands out is uh, an FBI profiling book that I read. Now, why would that be important to sales? Well, if I read an FBI profiler book, the FBI reads people on if they touch their nose or if they sit back or if they move in. Well, if I'm in sales and my prospect is leaning in or leaning back or crossing their arms or looking to the left, I know that that means something. If someone always looks to the left when they're thinking, then they're always thinking. If they look to the right when they're thinking, they're lying. If they touch their nose inadvertently, they're lying as well. So there's things that you pick up. Now, these are what FBI profiles. Is, like. is this never split the difference? Or is this Robert Cialandi, C- C- I think? I'm wondering if it's That's another great book. Okay. This one, I'll, I'll get you that book yeah, and, like and tell you what it is because I've got it in my library at the house. But... That, that was a book that was a game changer for me because I was able to read that and then I would look at people when they responded or when I talked to them on the phone or things that they would say. Uh, you know, it's just interesting. Like that book taught me um, instead of using ums, because in sales, that's the thing that I hear all these people, um, 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 I'm like, oh my gosh, these people are unbelievable umers. <laughs> I replaced that with so. It's just you're filling it with another word that doesn't sound like um. So if we were to look at this, what would you say would, it would benefit you? How would that benefit you? Instead of saying, um, now let's look at it just, it's a better transition. So I've just gotten really good at everything that you hear. And then how does that lay out the right way for the prospect? Because in the end, the prospect, they don't know sometimes that they want your product. It's your ability to kind of fill in the gaps. And, and the last thing that I'll tell you that got me to kind of why I love what I do is there was another bu- uh, book by Dwayne Sparks called Action Selling. And the first five steps of a nine-step process that he had described in his book was the first five steps. You're not talking about the product, your company. 
you're not talking about anything other than yourself. Now, why would that be important? Because you're making a connection. Where are you from originally? Very first question I ask everybody. Why would I ask that? Because I've been all over the world and there's a good chance that by maybe asking that question, I'm going to know someone from your original town or I've been to your original town or I've been somewhere around that that I could make a connection with you. And initially then you're like, oh, okay. You know, Sean's a good guy. You know, he's been in my area. It's the same reason that I don't know who you root for in baseball, football, or if you like sports, but it's the same reason why we live in Denver. Everyone loves, you know, their sports here. They're all, oh, you're a Broncos fan? That's amazing. Because we all want to be part of a community. Yeah. We all want to be liked. And so that was kind of where I looked at it is if that person and I had a commonality, then my next question would follow up with that with another piece that was getting me closer to them knowing me. And so by the time my prospect even hears about the product, I've they know that I've got three kids and dogs and they know that I love mountain biking and fly fishing and rock climbing and that I'm an adventure hound and I go to church and I, all the stuff that's about me because I want them to know who they're sitting with. And what most people make the mistake in in sales is they puke on people, which yeah. they talk all about the product right out of the gate and they don't ever make the connection. We, we actually, I want to get five questions out of the prospect of why they're looking before I even talk about the product because those five questions are going to steer me into what makes the most sense for me to gear them towards what they're looking for, right? So if I go, so tell me why are you looking to own your own business? Because I sell franchises. And so they'll say, wow, you know, God, I got to tell you, my boss is just, it's the worst and I hate where I work. And so, okay. And I'll write that down. I'm old school. I write everything down on, on what I call tour cards. So I put that down and, and then I can review those notes. And then later on, and people think I'm crazy. You're like, you're writing stuff down and put it in a tickler file. Yeah. You know why? Cause it's worked <laughs> yeah. for 28 years. Why change it? I could use act and I could spend a lot of time typing, but I can review those anytime. Hard drive never dies. Power's never out on that thing. I've always got the information. <laughs> so, right? so if you guys uh, can't tell, it's been about 10 minutes and we've had constant bombs dropped every second. He's talked about how we started uh, in sales by reading books and that by reading the right books, helping them in sales. Whatever you're focusing on right now, if you read the books towards that focus, you'll grow tremendously. So he's grown in that aspect. He also talked about concepts that he took from one book about asking questions and getting stuff out of somebody initially because once you start getting that information out of someone, you really build that know, like, and trust. A lot of times we think, um, you know, someone if they just go out there and just talk about themselves, they're trying to be interesting. But it's more important to be interested in the other person and that'll get them genuinely interested in you. Also, when uh, you and I were chatting, Sean, you were talking about using the right terminology and you were saying that a second ago, you were also talking about investing. So for the people that do sales and that are listening to this, can you explain how you're telling someone about investing time or maybe the initial conversation or even you did mention a question to me. You were asking me questions, kind of put me on the spot and I was like so thrown off and that was great. So whatever route you want to take. When you sure, can. yeah. So I think two things. So if someone's in sales, they've got to invest in themselves, number one, and that's in books and seminars and things that are going to make themselves better. Um, you should always be looking at like my personal goal, as you can't, you, you probably can't tell already, I'm highly enthusiastic. Uh, I love what I do. Uh, I haven't worked a day in 28 years. Uh, the best compliment I can ever get is that you're very charismatic. 
because uh, if you look at the definition of charismatic, that's someone that elicits other people to follow them. And so to me, if someone says I'm charismatic, that to me is the fan, the best thing. So that that's, I want to say it, you definitely are charismatic. That's, that's I the, can tell. I appreciate that. So that's that's a great compliment. So, but that's and that's the payoff of the investment. So if you've ever seen like the iceberg and you see the top of the iceberg and everyone sees that in sports and that's the trophies and the wins and mm-hmm. LSU, they just won their national championship, but they didn't see Joe Burrow and Coach Oberon, and I'm not a fan of theirs, I just like sports, but they didn't see the hard work on two-a-days. They didn't see all the stuff that went behind that. That's all the stuff that you know I put in that gets me to where you know that compliment, then that's my payoff. Like, that's it, you know. But I would say you've got to invest in yourself, number one. Uh, the question I remember asking you is you've got you've got to have the ability to find out, and this is a good self-test. This is a litmus test to find out if you're a salesperson or not. Because there's two types of people. There's either salespeople or there's canvassers. So canvassers, as you heard me say earlier, those are people who puke on people. And so if you record yourself in a meeting with somebody and you find out you're talking more than you're listening, then you probably need, you know, as Zig Ziglar used to say, a checkup from the neck up. You got to look at what am I doing, what am I saying, and how can I listen more? Because the people who listen the best are the ones that sell the most. Because I'm listening for what's that person looking for, and how can I help them do it? And then the other thing is, you want to make sure that you're never, never be the shell answer man. So, I had a meeting earlier today. It was an hour and a half, one of the best meetings I've had all week. And there were probably five questions I knew the answer to that I didn't answer. I said, you know what? That's a great question. Let me get back with you with an answer on that. Now, I could have easily answered it if I was wanting to pound my chest and and be the shell answer man and know everything, but what did that do for me? That gave me the opportunity to get back in touch with him again in another couple days and say, hey, I did some research, I looked at some stuff. How does that make that person feel? Wow, yeah. That makes them feel special. They're like, Sean really cares about me. He was looking out for my needs. He actually took this and did this. I could have given him the answer that second, <laughs> but it gave me the opportunity mm-hmm. to connect with that person again, build the trust and, and level. And today I actually threw, because again, I'm going to be me. I'm not going to be a robot. And, you know, I said, pardon my French, you know, you know, this banana, it was, I, I said, uh, I think I called him a jack wagon or whatever. And, and both of the ladies like, oh, we speak French, you're good. And so I knew I could be myself. I knew I could say some stuff and, you know, say shit or say this and people wouldn't be offended. But that's going to be me. It's like, to me, if I feel like I've done the best part of putting the money into myself, teaching myself the best things, I'm always reading. So I get up at 4.30 every morning. I do CrossFit at 5. I'm back in my house by 6.15. And from 6.15 to 7, I'm reading every single day for 45 minutes. So I'm already investing in myself first thing in the morning. And I look at everything that I can. I'm on several different podcasts for sales. And I'm like, I can learn something new from anybody. I have to ask you a couple questions of the morning routine. Yep. When did you start putting a morning routine into place? And how, was it difficult? No. So part of it, I have to thank the U.S. government for because I was an Army Ranger. Okay, yeah. um, and so <clears throat> I got started and we had to be up at, at 4 o'clock every morning to be ready at 4.30 for, you know, you had to be dressed in front of your bed and you had to be able to mount the quarter off and all that good stuff and basic training and then a regular training, you got a little bit more time to get to five. But I abandoned that while I was in college and then after college and then even owning my own business, I'd get up at like 6, 6.30. And um, 
JJ Prendamano, who was the uh, general manager for our company, um, Ray Titus is, is, uh, was his uh, son-in-law, uh, is the CEO of our company. And we had, I was three weeks with the company. And I asked Ray, I said, what's the best book you've ever written? Uh, or no, written, I'm sorry, ever read. And Ray said, well, that's easy, it's the Bible. So that gave me a little bit into his insight of kind of the type yeah. of character a man he was. And then um, I said, uh, and, and then JJ says, well, how many books did you read last year? And I said, well, I've read this book and this book and this book. And so he's like, all right, you're, you're a good leader. You're, you're a good guy. But he challenged everybody in this three-day seminar that we did on better phone etiquette, on better communication skills. But the, one of the things that he said, he goes, what time do you get up? And I said, I, I get up. At that time, I was getting up at five because I had read something um, from Tony Robbins. And Tony was like, the, the most successful people in the world get up early. And if any of you are a fan of, a fan of uh, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he gets up at four. Uh, you want to look at Mark Wahlberg, gets up at four. And so when he said, you know, what time you get up? I said five. He goes, everyone in here needs to get up a half hour early. So from that date, so that was 18 years ago, I've gotten up at 4.30 every single day. And then I have everything in my calendar. So if you look at my calendar, it's got... CrossFit, uh, CrossFit 77, where I CrossFit, it's got, you know, eat my normal oatmeal and my deal, shower, get ready, read my book. I've got an hour of every day that's thinking time where I can just sit in my office with no emails, with no phone and a iPad and I can just write down ideas and things that I can make sure I'm on track with. So, so you're walking me through the morning. You also told me how you started doing that. A routine is so important to have to start off your day with, to have that consistency. Um, what would you feel like if you didn't have a routine set? What, what would happen if your morning was thrown off? Oh, it would, it would throw off the whole day. In fact, we believe in it so much. I, my 13-year-old, so I've got a 13, 15, and a 17-year-old, all boys. My 13-year-old, they, they each get a book for Christmas in their stocking. And my 13-year-old's book was um, Make Your Bed First is the name of the book. And, and it's about that first win of the morning. That first thing you accomplish is actually making your bed. Some people are like, why would, I mean, Jim Gaffigan even jokes about it. Like, why would I make my bed? I'm going to be back in there in like a couple hours anyway. But no, it's, it's an accomplishment. You've crossed something off your list. There's a mental accomplishment of crossing off lists. That's why people like making lists and crossing things off is because, okay, I accomplished something. Now what's the next thing I'm going to accomplish? So to me, that would completely throw me off to where I would... I would just be out of sorts and openly what would happen is things creep in and you'll start getting like, I, I don't really need to get up early anymore. I don't really need to eat well anymore. I don't really need to work out anymore. And you could get through, uh, you could go through a time where you might have a slump of three, four, five, six months and everything affects everything. So if you've ever heard of the butterfly effect, you know, a butterfly flapping his wings in Japan affects weather patterns in the United States. It's because everything has a direct relation with everything else. So if I don't make my bed in the morning, if I don't have a morning routine in the morning, well, am I going to be the best salesperson that I can be in front of my prospects that day? Am I going to be the best husband for my wife that day? Am I going to be the best father for my kids that day? Everything connects to everything. So you have to have that morning, at least for me, I know everyone's different, but we're on a podcast about sales. You've, if you want to be the best, I remember watching Peyton Manning on UC Health and he says, you need 10,000 hours to be a master of something, okay? I've got 60,000 and I'm still learning. So 
real cool little nugget. So everyone knows who Michael, Michelangelo is, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what the last thing Michelangelo said before he died at 74 years old on uh, his deathbed? I have no clue. And it was Latin, and it was Ancora Imparo. I am still learning. So at 74 years old, on his deathbed, the last thing he says is, I am still learning. So amazing wealth of knowledge for a man that painted the Sixteen Chapel, made the David, did all this stuff that he did as a sculpture and artist with no distraction that we have today. Think about that. No distraction. Like you just go do your stuff because that's the the, the God-given talent you were given. It's amazing. Today we've got phones, computers, and all these things. You've got to have your mind so focused on what you want to achieve you're not going to win all the awards. You're not going to get the pay raises. You're not going to get, make the money you want to make. I've increased my income in 18 years, 4,867%. Now, the reason I know that number is because every year I look at it. <laughs> cool. Okay, because I, I'm driven by pats on the back, and I'm driven by money. Because the money allows me to take my kids to France. It allows me to take my kids to Ireland. It allows me to go to Mexico for two weeks at the end of the year. I work my butt off for it, but all that had to do with the iceberg that I talked about earlier. It's all the stuff below the water that no one saw that got me to there. And that was the morning. That was investing in myself. That was all the things that I needed to do on a daily basis to be the best salesperson I could be. Last thing that I would tell you that I can tell you is the number one thing that I take away is salespeople. Every, first of all, everyone's in sales. No matter what people say, everyone's in sales. So well, I'm an accountant. Well, you're in sales. You're selling your client on why they need to use you. Uh, I'm, I'm an engineer. Okay, well, you're selling your project manager on why your idea is the best on this engineering project. So everyone's in sales. Um, but if you look at what you're doing in sales, you have to, you have to be able to um, look at the prospect itself, what their needs are, you have to be able to um, get a satisfaction out of the win, right? Because I don't know about you, how's it feel when someone buys your product or invests in you? They're not investing in the product; the product is irrelevant at that point. But they've invested, or they've invested in you, right? How's that feel? It's a whole nother feeling of like a high feeling, a great sensation that I don't feel anywhere else. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. And so getting that is amazing. And it's almost like an actor. So the second piece of what I was talking about is everyone in sales is an actor. They don't realize this. But I look at myself as I am whoever the best actor, fill in the blank that you feel is out there. Okay, To me, it's like it's Al Pacino or it's one of those guys that those guys, if they're going into a role, they're going to stay up late and study. They're going to know their lines like nobody's business. And when they're out in front of the, either the camera or if it's live on Broadway, they're going to make sure in front of the, the audience that they're on their best. And so I actually get to the point where I know my kids ask me, Dad, you know, it's a weird question that kids ask, Dad, how much do you make an hour? Because they you know, a friend that's a doctor or someone is a fireman or the teacher or whatever. And... Uh, I said, oh, I make $2,500 an hour. My kid's like, $2,500? How do you make $2,500 an hour? And I go, well, <laughs> I look at this. So I make a commission from selling a business. 
and I meet people a number of times through that sales process. So I've divided what my commission is by how many times I meet that person. And then I take that and I say, okay, each one of those meetings are about an hour and a half. So if I divide that by the money I make, then that's how much I make per that hour. So I better have given an Oscar worthy performance in front of that person for the hour and a half. The rest of the day doesn't matter. It's only the hour and a half I'm in front of the prospect. So if you, like today, I got in, I had an hour before I met with my person to review their LinkedIn profile, to go over all my notes on them, um, to look and see on uh, if I could find where they live, to see what kind of a median income they had or more. I'm doing my research so that no matter what comes up, I'm prepared for that meeting. So that was my hour before that I was prepared. I knew what was going on. But now am I going to be able to give that Oscar worthy performance while I'm in front of them? Heck yeah. I went through my presentation that I've given a thousand times, but you know what I did? I reread it just so I wasn't missing anything. That's what successful salespeople do is they're prepared, they invest in themselves, and they take themselves seriously. I appreciate you sharing that so much. I also know that I'm taking about in total about a half hour of your time, so that's about $1,000, 250 <laughs> of your time. So I really appreciate you essentially paying me for this Perfect. podcast. I'm absolutely loving this. I do have one more question for you and something that you can help out with the audience because you are you have such high level of work ethic I admire your work ethic and I know that you're an incredible sales guy um, you've also talked about the routines the mornings building structure for the people that are listening whether they're in sales a business owner or whether they just want to build some higher level of work ethic so they can think at a higher level what would you recommend for them to start either implementing a routine or start finding some ways that they can ensure that um, they're thinking more logically, like you broke things all down into numbers and hours of the day. Um, if you have not, if you don't have a structure for the morning, you don't really have that strong of a structure for the day because a lot of entrepreneurs don't, um, how, where, where's a starting point? Well, to me, there was a great book that I read that was called Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. I've read it. It's a great book, yeah, a great book. book. And so Brian's all about time management. Brian's all about, you know, we all have to-do lists, but what we tend to do is we take the thing that we fear doing the most and we put that off to the end of the day and we get all these little small wins in. And what we really needed to do was eat that live frog. So that's what the book's about is, you know, taking your largest uh, item and having that be number one, completing that thing first and then everything else in the day is easy. So I, I look at, look, everyone's different. <clears throat> um, there's, there's a generational difference between the two of us. So I'm gonna be the type of person that I will call first, I will email second, and I will text last. You might text first, email second, and call. We're all different, okay? But that's just generation, generationally, we're different people. So. To prescribe something that everyone would be able to do, I, th I think is, is hard to do. What I would tell people who are listening is find what works best for you, okay? Some people like writing a list down. Um, I was crazy enough to write stuff on my mirror every day. And it was stuff like, you're the best salesperson, you're the best husband, you're the best father. So every morning I'm feeding myself, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best. Every time I look in the mirror, I'm the best. When I go to bed at night, I'm the best. So what am I thinking? I'm the best. So if I'm thinking that, I better do the things that the person that's the best would do. So that came and then reading the books came and then that allowed me to then write the things down. So to me, I'm a tech geek. So I've got my iPad, my MacBook Pro, my iPhone all connected here on the desk. And the reason I like that is because if I put something into my phone, 
it's on my laptop, it's on my iPad. And so everyone looks at a calendar every day. So I just put it in, I block out time for everything because I know it's going to be, I'm going to get a reminder. So to me, it's focusing on that. Now, my brother is the complete opposite. My brother, you couldn't get him to put any structure into his life. You couldn't do no matter what we do. My, my parents would laugh because they'd be like, you know, your room is spick and span and always neat and always clean. You pick up everything. And, and my brother would have cereal bowls for five weeks stuffed under the bed somewhere. So I get it. But the bottom line is, is that you have to find out what works really best for you in getting the most out of the day. But I, I wouldn't kid yourself in thinking that you can do it without some sort of structure. So whether that's uh, subscribing to a goal setting app. So on my phone, I've got a Brian Tracy goal setting app that I've got on here that I can click on. It's called Goals Wizard. And I can put my life goals, my daily goals. It'll remind me of things. So there's structured pieces out there that everyone can use if they don't know what to do. There's already something there in place. Like I've got a goal of drinking five of these a day because I want to make sure I'm drinking enough water. I've got a goal of you know eating right. So I do that. I've got a goal of working out every day. I do that. So I get that accomplishment every day of doing that. And then there's things that I don't do that I want to do that, you know, because I'm human. You know, I want to journal every day, but I don't journal every day. So, you know, there's only so much time of the day. So you then have to take kind of in the end, I look at it and say, there's three things that if you only did three things today, what would those three things be? People complicate it and make their list too big. Way too big, yeah. And I always focus on I got three things today. So I got two of those accomplished already today. I've got one more thing to do and then I'm done. So I'm good for the day. I know I'll get my last thing done. But the two things that I had to accomplish today that were the most important for the rest of my week, those things got done. So I'm just focused on these are the two things. And anything that's ancillary after that, that's minutia. Let, I'll fi figure that out. I'll get that in. And then lastly, um, I think people kid themselves. I'm a big fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger. In, in that his work ethic, you don't come from Austria, come over, be the number one bodybuilder in the world, be the number one paid box office actor in the world who couldn't speak a lick, you know, was in Conan the Barbarian and all these other uh, movies and become the governor of California and then still be in all these movies without having an unbelievable work ethic. And so if you look at the six things that Arnold lists, if you YouTube it, what are the six things Arnold talks about? One of them is, is uh, break the rules. Break the rules. So one of the rules that you break is, I work from nine to five. Now, everyone works from nine to five. All the money and the wealth in the world is made from five to nine. So think about that. All the money in the world and all the wealth in the world is made from five to nine, nine, nine to five. So everyone goes, I worked my day, I'm going to go home, I'm going to eat my dinner, and I'm going to sit in front of the TV, and I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. BS. Okay? I get home, I go right back to work as soon as I see my wife, I see the kids, hey, how's it going? I know my dinner, my wife cooks my dinner, I'm blessed with that. And so I come to dinner at 6.30, we all sit around the table, have conversations about the day, and we pick a topic to talk about. And then my wife knows at 7 after I've helped clean up the dishes, from 7 o'clock till 10 when I go to bed. I'm working again. I'm either working on another project, I'm working on a book, I'm working on something that's going to take me the extra mile. Because guess what? There's little competition in the extra mile. If I ran five miles and everyone stopped at five miles because it was a, a seven or 10K, there's very little competition after that. So if you just work the extra piece from five o'clock at night 
till till nine the next morning, get up early, stay up late, you're going to be ahead of every other person out there. So I've done more by eight o'clock because I'm up at 4.30 than most people have done because they've just been up, they're just getting their webs out of their eyes, having their first cup of coffee, watching the news, which is my last thing I'll talk about. The news is a business. If you haven't figured that out, and their business is selling negativity. If you think you're that good of a person and you can be that positive by watching all the negative crap that spews out of CNN and Fox News, no matter what side you're on, it's all crap because it is all intended to sink, to, to, to hook you in, pull you in so that you're going to watch it. So if you watch it, you'd be like, well, I'm never going to, my kid's on a bus because there's bus wrecks. I'm never going to drink milk. I'm never going to eat eggs. I'm never going to, because all <laughs> these things, right? They're going to find something to hook you in on to get you this. And it's negative, 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 negative. Oh, by the way, at the end, there's this nice little great positive story. And then they're done. Okay. It's horrible. I don't say that I don't keep myself up to date with current, you know, what's going on in the world. I do it at night so I can think about it before I go to bed, but I'm not going to start my day with negative. So if you read the newspaper in the morning, if you watch the news in the morning, if you subscribe to anything that's spewing negative content, you're already starting your day out the wrong way. So I eliminate all that. I don't know any of that stuff. And about nine o'clock at night, when my brain is done and I'm checked out and I'm ready to talk with my wife for an hour, we'll sit on the bed and sometimes she's doing her work. I'll then pull up Apple News and I'll just scroll through. Oh, okay, this happened in Syria. Okay, that happened there. Okay, but the bottom line is, guess what? All I need to know that for is if a client says something about it, that's the only reason I look at it. You know why? Because I do this litmus test all the time. It works everywhere in the world, it's great. So we'll try it with you today. This is gonna be great. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, we're gonna do this, it's awesome. All right, um, so a year ago this week, what was the major news event that was happening a year ago this week? It was pretty big. I have no idea. Okay. Last November, another major news event. What was the biggest thing <sighs> happening in the news last November? You got me. I actually don't watch or follow the news at all. Okay. So this is good. You're, you're great. But great, guess what? The answers don't matter. So if I said, what happened last week, major in the news? Now, you might be able to get something there, right? Yeah. Because you're walking through... Uh, you know, the maybe some sports stuff. If someone tells me about sports, sports stuff, stuff, or you know, there's an impeachment going on, something like that, okay. right? Yeah. But what does any of that? So when I do this, and I'm on planes, and people read the newspaper, I'm like, oh wow, like why do you need to read the newspaper for? And so I start these conversations, and people are like, oh, because I like to stay up to all the stuff, and you know, it's going on in Syria, and this is going on here, and I have hold it, blah blah. I go, what does that have to do with the four walls of your house? What does any of it have to do? with the success of you and your family in the world, outside the four walls of your house, what does it have to do with you? Does the impeachment have anything to do with what you're gonna to do to run your life tomorrow? No. Does what's going on in a car chase in LA and the homelessness, homelessness that's ever, what does any of that have to do with you in your home tomorrow morning? Nothing. I love that you're saying all this because it is the reason why I don't focus on seeing the news all the time. And you're sharing a lot about the negativity of the news and how that radiates with a lot of people. Just to recap some of the things you've said, because you've dropped constant value bombs. One of the first things is when we're setting up those routines for the morning, it's to have such a positive start to your day and not put any negativity in it. 
On top of that, give yourself affirmations. Go to the mirror, say you're the best. Give yourself whatever affirmations that make sure that you are following the right track of mind. Um, also, Sean said, Brian Tracy, Eat That Frog is a book that he recommends. I highly recommend that as well. You can spend an entire day and then at the end of the day, you can just feel like the whole day was wasted or you really didn't accomplish anything. But by following the concepts in that book or getting your most important thing done early in the day, you can finish the day feeling more accomplished. And plus, once you finish those first most important things in the morning, those first one to three things absolutely in the morning, then you have the rest of the day to accomplish everything else. And if you create a giant list, you're gonna feel extremely stressed out and you have no structure to that. Most people need a list for that list. They need some kind of priority structure built for that list. So you've shared so many more things throughout the call and uh, throughout the podcast and I don't wanna take a tremendous more amount of your time. Um, But because you gave me this time, would you like to share um, with the people that are listening what you do and uh, you know, if they could contact you at all or if there's any way, um, you know, because you're selling franchises, if someone was listening, that could absolutely. So what I what I get to do is is probably the best thing uh, in my life is I get to help people see the value of owning their own business. And so uh, it used to be the American dream was to own your own home. Most people want to be entrepreneurs and own their own business. In fact, I'm talking to one now. So the great thing about um, where we live and what we do in the U.S. is that we've got so many things that are afforded to us that that people come here and you see these people that just become amazing multimillionaires that come from other countries is because they're like you should see where I came from. This is amazing, and too many people take that for for uh, for granted. I would love every single person to be able to go outside the country for two years on either a uh, part of the service or you know some sort of a a mission or something just to see because it will help them see the value of what we have. But what I get the value out of is is, is helping someone, you know, after they're in business a couple years and seeing that they're a better business person, they're a better father, they're a better husband, they're a better person because they have invested in themselves and own their own business. So um, I'm part of United Franchise Group. We own and operate 10 different franchise companies, uh, investment levels from $50,000 up to $3.5 million. And so it's from somebody that wants to be a, uh, a service-based uh, franchisee, so handling things like signs or embroidery, promotional products, uh, retail businesses that sell computers. We also have uh, companies that we're sitting in today, like VentureX, which is a co-working shared office space. Uh, so we love that because that's a great incubator for a lot of businesses. And then we have a couple food brands, and we actually have a company that helps people franchise their business called Accurate Franchising. So if you're sitting there today, you've got a business and you think, man, I wonder if this could be a franchise. We actually can help you franchise that business and then help you sell those franchises. Um, So we do a little bit of everything and we're actually the only company in the world that owns and operates our own franchises that help other company franchise. So uh, 34 years in business, 1600 locations worldwide. Uh, We're in 85 different countries, a privately held company. So it was uh, started by Ray Titus um, at 23 years old. He's 57 years old. So young CEO, he's gonna be around a long time. He's got three boys just like I do. All three of his sons are involved in the business. So I love the fact that I work for a privately held company, that if we make a decision today sitting at a desk in front of a franchisee, we're gonna live by that. And then our mission statement is probably the easiest you've ever heard. Um, We have one customer, our franchisee, when they're successful, we're successful. So our entire life, in is helping customers be better at what they do so that we can be better at what we do. So um, with that being said, I uh, 
28 years, 18 years with this company. I haven't worked a day yet. And because of that, I love what I do. And when you love what you do, it's not work. And when it's not work, you have fun. And when you have fun, you make a crap ton of money. So it's it's good. Um, and I appreciate the time. And hopefully if someone's out there and they, they want uh, uh, more information, um, then we'll, we'll be able to get that uh, through you, I'm sure. Cool. And, uh, and go from there. But uh, look, it, it's, I, I'm a big believer in pay it forward. So uh, a last quick story, and hopefully this will be something that everybody can take home to their family. So um, my boys were out um, picking up some uh, pine duff. So we're here in Colorado and we have the pine needles fall and it's pine duff when it hits the ground. And so uh, we're out there and part of our family is, you know, we don't pay for allowance. It's just, these are just chores that you do as part of the family unit. And so um, we're out there raking and my son comes in later and my middle son, and this was two years ago, he, he was uh, uh, 13 at the time. He says, dad, the neighbors are paying 50 cents a bag for the pine duff and they bagged 80 bags. So that's $40. I want to earn $40. How do I do that? And I'm like, well, we're not going to do it bagging trash. So I said, what the neighbors don't realize that they've done uh, psychologically and kind of don't even know they're doing this. They're actually rewarding their kids for being trash people. They're rewarding them for going out and doing manual labor and picking things up and really being trash people where they could have paid someone to do that or they could have done it themselves and, and not reward their kids for that. I said, so this is a philosophy thing. I said, if you want to earn money, I said, uh, I'll pick a book. I get to pick the book. I'll give you the book. And when I give you the book, you write a three page report. And I want three things out of it. I want number one, what you got out of the book. Number two, I want two to three things that you could implement from the book in your life personally. And thirdly, I want two things that you could pay forward to a friend or someone that you know that could use these things that you just learned that might be life-changing for your life or their life. And I said, and when you give me the report, uh, I'll give you between $75 and $100 depending on how well you wrote the report. So gave this first book, gave to my son. Uh, at the time he was 14, he's now 17. And um, I gave him the book and I said, uh, here's the book and it's a paperback. Um, and it's uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Awesome. And so my son says, Dad, what are all these notes in here? And uh, I said, oh, those are, each time I read it, I used different pen and different highlighters. And I highlighted it because every time I read it, I got something different. He's like, how many times have you read it? I said, uh, 17 times, to be exact. And he goes, you read a book 17 times? <laughs> he says, you didn't get it out of it the first time? And I'm like, well... As you, as you grow, things mean things differently to you. So I gave him the book and because that book changed my life. In sales, it changed my life, that book did. So I gave him the book. He gave me back a report and I asked him one simple question when he gave me the report back. I go, um, I said, I'm happy to accept it, but only if it's your best work. He looked down at the page, he looked at me, he took it back. Came back two days later, handed me the three pages again. I said, cool. I said, you made some adjustments, huh? Yep. I said, is this your best work? He says, I think it is. And I go, don't think it is. It, it's got to be your best work. He rips it back out of my hands, comes back the next day. He says, this is my best work, Dad. And so uh, I read it. It was phenomenal. He's, he's a great writer now. And he got $100. Since then, um, he's gotten 52 more $100 checks. So it's going to pay for his car. 
because I'm a big believer that um, I don't pay for my kids' cars. I don't pay for my kids' college because as a a successful business person, why would I take the trials and tribulations and struggles that I went to to be successful away from my kids? We make a mistake as a um, as a generation that we try to make it easier for the next generation, and thus what we get are you know what the media calls snowflakes and all these other things. The bottom line is is it's called poor parenting. If your parents didn't you know parent you correctly, then you're going to do things differently. And so I'm a big believer if we you know prepare the the child for the path and not the path for the child, then we're all going to win. So just a little nugget there for your kids. If you want to have them do those things, they're going to be able to go through the struggles, get the wins, uh, be able to, to learn. And I just fast tracked my kid from the first time I read that book, which was 31 years old. He read it at 14. Do you think he's going to have a better opportunity than me? Do you think he's going to have a, a better uh, option and, and fast track than I did because I'm picking the books. Second book I gave him was, you know, uh, um, no, um, I just forget, uh, Seven Highly Effective Habits, Stephen oh, Covey, yeah. for teens. So, okay. and again, I'm not breaking the bank. I make, a, I make really good money, but you know where I got that book? Goodwill, because it's 99 cents. So I go to Goodwill, mm-hmm. I find all these books, I give them to people, I hand them out to people because I'm like, and then sometimes I just buy books on Amazon and mail them to people, but it's all about making sure that you're reading and you're investing in yourself and you're being the best you can be. Awesome. Sean, thank you for going through that story as well because I think a lot of parents think, uh, you know, I don't want to go do that work outside, but if I pay my kids a little bit, they'll learn the work ethic and get out there and do things. And that's kind of the mindset of let's have uh, them do it, but also learn that they need to put time in to get some money back. And that approach that you just told me was something I haven't heard before where you have your kids go do something that can use their brain and you pay them for rather than them go do this physical labor. Um, that will then cause them to realize that if they use their brain more and more, not only will they learn because you're teaching them how to learn effectively outside of the school system, which we won't get into a whole conversation about the school system and sure. what it teaches you to do, then you're teaching them how to truly learn and by learning and growing, they're going to earn money that way. Absolutely. Which goes back to the same thing as you said on... Uh, he said Michelangelo on yep. his deathbed, he said he's still learning at 74 years old. Yeah, and Cora Amparo. So it's good stuff. And look, you, you know, we, we, have a, we have a role to play with our kids. And I should, number one, be the number one influence in my kid's life. It shouldn't be somebody else. So that's why we purposely, every night that I'm in town, we're sitting around the dinner table. And we're talking about stuff that's going on. And I'm having adult conversations with 13, 15, and 17-year-olds because I have to respect them. And my job is to make great adults, not great kids. I don't care if they're great kids. I want to make great adults. And the more they know and the more that I can feed them, the better they are going to be as an adult. So, again, I'm not out there with a machete clearing the path of the child. I'm preparing the, 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 the child for the path so that when he's 18 and he steps out of my house, he's not going to be like, oh, crap. Like, I don't know how to iron. Or I don't know. They knew all that stuff. That's just part of you, you do the stuff as part of the household to make a household run, and they had to understand that. It's like, I didn't want to reward them for that. That's just like, no, it's like, you, I'm not paying you to make your bed either. That doesn't make sense. I'm going to pay you to clean up your dishes now? I mean, let's get crazy. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. Think about, we do it because it's easy, but it, it's really training your kids the wrong way. So if you train your kids the right way and reward them for things that are like, oh, okay. You know, like my son last night, we went into his bedroom and, I got him a book and I was like, hey, have you read the book? He's like, "Ah, I cracked it the other day. I've read the first page. And 
and uh, and I'm you know tickling him. He's 13, so he's still goofy. And I'm like, you know, what? Why haven't you ready yet, man? And he's like, well, you know, I've got school and all this stuff, and and he's the goal. I mean, he's got his goals up on the on a chalkboard. He's got every grade to the percentage, 98.869, because he wants to be the best at everything he's doing at 13. But he's still, I'm like, I know he's all about money. He, he wants to have more money in the bank than anybody else. That's his goal. He wants to beat his brothers. So I said, I tell you what, I go, I'm not going to ask you for a book report, but if you have the book read on the 24th and you can sit down with dad and sit on the front porch and talk about it, I said, there's money in it for you. Really? <laughs> Cool. I have no problem paying my kids for the rest of their lives to read books because what am I doing? I'm building great minds for young people that are going to have the tools necessary that when that situation comes up because they read that book, you know, because the easy answer is what? I hate to read. I don't want to read. I'm like, okay, that's great, but where's that going to get us? And it didn't take long for me to figure that out. I remember my mom driving us to um, a little area in Whitehall, Ohio, where I grew up. And it was called Hollywood. It sounds great. But it was, it was like literally the worst place right behind the airport at Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, cars up on blocks and, you know, washers and dryers on the front porch. And my mom, she was the executive assistant for the chief uh, justice, the high, Supreme, high Supreme Court. And we'd go over to his house and I'd see how he lived. And then my mom, when I didn't do good in school and had bad grades or was acting up, she'd drive me over and say, well, this is the alternative. This is how you can live, and this is what you do if you make these choices. But it's all choices. Everything's choices. You get to make choices. And so if you make this choice, this is where we're going to end up. And if you make this choice, this is where you end up. So which one do you like better? And I'm like, well, I like that one better. So it's just those things that, you know, some parents do that and some don't. But, you know, we have to do it with ourselves first before we can do it with other people. So... This whole thing, if we circle it around, I see if you invest in yourself, if you better yourself every day, if you do three things each day that you can get accomplished, then everything that you do after that, if, you know, I always tell my wife, I'm like, you know, you're not my first love. I am. I got to love myself first before I can love you. And if I don't love myself and I'm not happy with myself and things, I got to fix that stuff first before I can give out love to you. And then, you know, and then I tell my kids, I'm like, you're not, you're not even close. Your mom's, she's number one. I mean, she was here long before you were. I love you to death. But my wife is like, you know, she's, she's there. Um, so, but you have to have that and you have to make sure that you're doing those things. Because if you don't, then none of the other stuff we talked about matters. Yeah, so. it's 100% true. I, and I really appreciate you going through all that, especially the book stuff too, like, uh, Honestly, I feel like I keep chatting with you forever because you have so many different concepts you're sharing. But a lot of us don't learn to learn on our own or learn how to read just on our own uh, to grow. A lot of people are just, maybe there's a mental uh, shift that someone needs to overcome about self-help books or personal development books. People have this uh, misconceived notion that they shouldn't do it or it's going to be so difficult or, no, that's I don't do that. So they read fiction books if they do read at all. It took me until maybe uh, 25 or 26 to then uh, start picking up books like often and start reading for myself. I think it's amazing that you're getting your kids to start reading this personal development stuff at such a young age. Some people might not do it till their 40s or 50s. So if you are listening to this and you're you know one of those people that doesn't often pick up self development book, 
maybe try it and um, Eat That Frog would be a good one. I'm also going to take the other books. I will listen back through this and take those other books and put those in the notes as well. So that if you do have an interest, because I did, because uh, Sean named a bunch of different names and books in the beginning, uh, I will make sure to go back through that. And, and one last thing I'll throw in is a little cheat, okay? Because again, um, you know, there's a, a cool thing I learned about from uh, Brian Tracy. It was called the University on Wheels. And so oftentimes, it, because I was working so hard when I was starting my business and I was working so hard when I was starting my career with this company, you know, I was fitting 16, 17 hours in a day and I didn't have time to read. I got up early and did this stuff. You know what I did? I went to Barnes and Nobles and I found every book that I could find that was a self-help book that was something that was going to make me better and I got it on a CD at the time. Today it's all digital, but you, know, you can go to audible.com right now and you can download if you're an Amazon Prime member and they will give you two free books for free if you're a Prime member. So if you're on Amazon, you ship stuff to your house and Prime, you get two free books, audiobooks. Then I put them on my phone, I Bluetooth it to my car, and while I'm driving, when everybody else is listening to Golik and Wingo or NPR or whatever, none of that stuff's helping me become a better business person and better husband and a better father, any of that stuff. You know what's helping me is that audiobook that I listen to. So there's no excuse. If you can't read, and I don't like reading, great. You can listen, you watch movies, you hear people talking, we actually hear 360 words a minute and we can only talk 120 to 150 words a minute. So you comprehend more than you speak. So you could absorb all this stuff while you're driving and it would be amazing. And then you have literally no excuse whatsoever. So it's, it's in your hands. Awesome. Sean, thank you so much for coming in today. We've talked for about an hour, so thank you as well for $2,500 worth of your time. Absolutely, man. And chatting with everyone, uh, I'm sure we've took a lot from this. Um, so thanks. You're welcome. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to another episode of That Growth State. Please subscribe, like the channel. It really, really helps me out. I am on this journey to keep providing incredible information to people and keep helping people's minds get into a growth state so that they can live the best life possible. And liking and subscribing the channel would truly, truly help me out. So if you did like the episode, please give me a five-star review and I'll see you next week. Cheers.